You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. Only problem. Gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's good, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tullivan, and I am here as always with my co-host Albert Garbage Time Gim. Albert, what is good, brother? What is going on? It's good to be back. Took a little break last week, but we are back, and it's perfect timing. We're coming off the national championship game. NBA draft season is officially now, I guess, in full swing. So we've got a lot to go over, but um, I'm ready to rock. It NBA draft season is officially in full swing in the minds of what the kids call the casuals, Albert. <laughs> Let's not be uh, let's not be sus and be on the game, right? So for for any um, any of our listeners who are here because now their teams have officially been eliminated from playoff contention and uh, getting ready for for draft season. Welcome, we missed you, uh, and we're we're happy to have you. We're happy to have you with the rest of the squad. Um, you know we're we're coming off an absolutely fantastic March Madness. Uh, headlined by Kansas and North Carolina in the championship game. So we figured here at the draft act podcast, why not get this week's episode going by celebrating national champion and potential lottery pick Ochai Agbaji, the Kansas wing 21 years old right now, 22 on draft night, six foot five and a half inches, two fifteen, reported six ten wingspan, 18.8 points per game. 5.1 rebounds a game, 1.6 assists and 2.1 turnovers, 0.6 blocks or 0.6 blocks, uh, 0.9 steals, shot 47.5% from the field, 40.7% from three, 74.3% from the free throw line, true shooting percentage, 59.5 PER of 20.8. Ochai is an interesting case because he was a known commodity coming into the year. Um, as an upperclassman, but not fully on the draft radar. He did not make the preseason um, draft act IPO. He did, however, make his uh, presence felt on the December update where he came in at number 26 on the draft act. ESPN had him at 24. Tankathon had him at 35. Basketball News had him at 25. Bleacher Report had him at 17. Sports Illustrated had him at 34. No Ceilings had him at 23. Currently, ESPN has him up to 12. Tankathon has him at 19. Basketball News, 14. Bleacher Report, 13. The Ringer uh, on their new draft guide has him at 15. And No Ceilings, we had him at 14. That's an average stock price of 14.5. 
So from unranked, unlisted on the draft deck coming into the year to a late first to now a potential lottery pick, Ochai Agbaji had a great season. Albert, I ask you, at 14 and a half, is Ochai Agbaji's stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? 14 and a half for me is just right. On my personal board, I have him at 15, actually. And um, of course, our boards are freaking moving targets all the time and we're all over the place. But um, he's a guy I really like, a guy that I'm really excited to talk about today. And so for me, 14 and a half feels just about right. And oddly enough, you have him at 15 on my board right now. He's at 14. Nice. Which, uh, let me do the <laughs> really quick. I think that's 14 and a half. <laughs> now, so it seems as though this is a good spot for him. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he was a guy that ended up going four picks higher or four picks lower. Um, but Ochai seemingly has the right stock price right now. Now, Albert, if you had $10 to invest in Ochai Agbaji, Benedict Matherin, and Malachi Branham, little wild card there, how would you spend your $10? I understand that Matherin is younger, but I kind of have him in like a very similar tier to Agbaji. Um, I think I have Matherin at number 10 on my board, actually. Yeah, I do. So if they're not far off, five spots away. I love Branham, dude. That guy can really shoot the ball. I love him in the mid-range. Okay, here we go. I'm going to do... Yeah, I'm going to stick to my gut. Oh, no, this is weird, though. Stick to your gut. Okay, okay, here we go, here we go. Which means I'm going to have to make it adjust to my big board. But anyway, I'm actually going to go Branham five bucks. Wow. I really like Branham a lot. Let's yeah. go. Maybe there's a plot twist. I don't know. I'm going to go Branham five bucks. Matherin two and a half, 250. Mm-hmm. And uh, Agbaji 250 is kind of how I feel right now. Interesting. I love that. I, I love the, the Branham faith. Freshman, you know. Right. Alumni of the LeBron St. Vincent St. Mary High School. Great freshman season coming out of nowhere. And I do think that he is a guy that is going to potentially surprise people on draft night and potentially go a little bit higher than maybe somebody might think uh, who hasn't been following the draft all that closely. Or maybe they're jumping in at exactly the right time when his draft stock is rising and they'll, you know, won't be surprised at all. Um, I'm going to go Matherin at five. Ochai at three and Branham at two. And I don't feel good about any of that. (laughs) I totally understand how you feel right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because like there's a scenario where I feel like I'm undervaluing like Matherin. Uh, There's a scenario where I feel like I'm like you undervaluing Branham. And then I there's a scenario where it's like Ochai just keeps getting better and better, and all of a sudden he's the best prospect. So I, I, I I'm completely confused, but I think that's uh, kind of interesting because this draft now maybe has some more solid wings than maybe we're going to be uh, expecting coming in, which is which is good. Before we get into 
you know, the, the scattering report. I, I do want to say, like, you know, I've probably seen a third of, like, the top 60, 65 guys live this year. And Ochai Ogbaji was one of the most impressive prospects that I saw live. I saw him against Michigan State, uh, the Champions Classic at the beginning of the season at Madison Square Garden. So, you know, the, the energy in the building that night was off the charts and um you know i was really interested to see how he was going to play as an upperclassman and it wasn't shocking that as an upperclassman he was one of the the guys who were more ready for the moment uh more had a more defined role to kind of have that kind of game but you know when i when i watch prospects live one of the things i look for is i want to see if it looks easy on the court like whether they have a game where they're on fire or they're missing everything, can they get to their spots easily? You know, are they a step ahead athletically? Mm. Just things that, you know, aren't necessarily result-based. And Ochai made it look really easy that night. He had a huge, huge game, uh, and he was just getting to his spots. He was dictating his game, not letting the defense dictate the game. So he was one of the guys this year who made it look easy when I saw him live. And I think that's important. Um, of course, that's the beginning of the year. Again, he's a, an upperclassman. He's been in this situation. He knows his role. It's a little different. Like Whereas Max Christie, you could tell yeah. everything was very new for him. And while he had his moments, it was a lot of like, uh, do I stand in the corner? Do I create for myself? Do I move off the ball? Like everything Ochai did was very decisive, but he was getting to his spots. He was running out in transition. He was doing everything with so much confidence. And, you know, it it really set the tone for the the season that Kansas had eventually winning the national championship. I mean, that that team was ready from, from the jump. So yeah. congrats to them. Let's talk about his shooting. Talk to me about Agbajia as, as a shooter. Well, you know what, Corey, I'll be honest with you. I haven't followed Agbaji's Kansas career as closely as maybe like a Metcalf or other people yeah. at our site who've been like really big on him from day one. But if you look at where he is right now, so I don't have the context of what he looked like his freshman year, whatever. But if you look at what he, he is right now as a shooter, the mechanics look like really clean to me. When I was watching him shoot, he looked like a very refined shooter. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, I felt like everything was really compact. Um, I think this is like something that I learned from draft Twitter, but like, what is it? Shot prep, right? Like, yeah. I feel like that stuff is really good. I'm learning my uh, draft Twitter term still. Um, but like even his shot prep, like off the catch, like before the ball's even in his hands, it looks like his, his body is set. Right, his feet are set. He knows what he's gonna do. He's very decisive about it. But everything looks fluid. It looks clean. It looks compact. It looks repeatable. It, all the all the different terms that we use for a really refined shooter, I think he's there. And I think the numbers back it up as well. Um, of course, I think off the dribble, it's maybe not as clean. But in terms of off the catch, it's really good. If I can share a little nerdy stat here. Um, yes, he course. shot 40% from three this year and he was, a, uh, he was assisted on 85% of them. So mm. that kind of tells you his role as a three point shooter and how that's going to translate to the next level where he'll do a lot of shooting off the catch. And it looks like if he's doing a ton of it off the catch, he's going to be a 40% shooter from three, which is pretty damn good. And what you're looking for. So in terms of the shooting, I think that's where I'm at right now. I think it, it, he, 
the best way I can put it again is I think he's a refined shooter. Yeah, and he's improved his shooting every year of his college career. So as a freshman, 30.7%. As a sophomore, 33.8%. As a junior, 37.7%. And then 40.7% as a senior. Um, so he's turned himself into a really good shooter. I love the unassisted number because as you know as we'll talk about that's clearly how he generates a lot of his offense being you know this really crafty off-ball player um as a shooter he's definitely been more consistent part of me still thinks he's a little you know he in the nba he might be a little streaky at times okay you know like he might catch fire and hit a, a few in a row um and but i think as long as he's at volume he's going to be a good shooter and as an off-ball player i think that shooting is going to translate as you said, he's got good shot prep. And again, what I like is his shooting. He's very decisive in what he does. And and one of the things, like he's the kind of player I want Max Christie to be. Like he knows what he's going to do. He knows when he comes off the pin down uh, or or the flare that he's going to get catch the ball and he's going to let it fly. And that's important because at the NBA level, every second matters, right? So if you're indecisive, you know, and his teammate, Christian Braun, Brown, sometimes can be a little indecisive with his shot, right? He'll catch and his his release could be a little slow where he might not even, you know, put a shot up. Agbaji is not afraid to let it fly as soon as he gets it. And that's important. And when you're shooting it at 41% on, you know, almost seven a game, that's big time. Uh, as you alluded to, you know, he he's not doing a ton off the bounce. Uh, I think that he has shown that he might have a little bit of like, let me catch it one, two dribble pull up. He's right. He busts out a, a, a combo move every now and then. So I think he is going to show off a little bit more in the NBA than he, he did in college. Eventually, not maybe not so early in his career, but eventually. Um, but I think he's going to bring a ton of value as a movement shooter. Cause you can run him off floppy actions and all these kinds of different sets right. in the NBA. And, I feel like maybe the general consensus on Agbaji or the general public might not s realize how good of a movement shooter that he is and how versatile right. as a movement shooter that he is. I think might most people might look at the highlight package, the dunks and transition, a lot of the lobs right. and and the scoring numbers where he's at almost nineteen a game and think that, you know, he's this kind of guy who fits that old school shooting guard mold. But he really is this kind of like off ball threat who can just let Remy Martin dribble the ball a million times before, you know, coming off a screen and, and letting it fly or spotting up. And I think his style is going to be so easy to insert into the NBA. I think that's one of the most appealing things about him is you don't have to guess what his role is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, right. You know, he's going to be a wing who just is doing a lot of the, you know, off ball stuff. He's going to, spot up in the corner and space out for your superstar. He's going to run off movement to get himself open and create space. And he's going to use the threat of that shot to leverage his off ball, like cutting and getting right. to the rim and using his athleticism in ways that make him more lethal than a guy who is just a shooter because, you know, uh, there are shooters that are just shooters. And they can't get to the rim and they don't have that strength and the, you know, the quick first step. And I think Ochai has that. Um, so maybe he has some self-creation ability down the line. Again, I don't think it's going to be super high usage ever, but he also, there's something about him 
that gives me and not in play style. You know, he's not the guy I'm going to say he reminds me of when we do our, our comp section. But just I think like the way he improves his mentality, his frame, like I don't know. I don't think he'll ever necessarily get to this level, but it's like a Jimmy Butler kind of mentality, you know? So I, I love that about him. And I don't want to put it past him that he could improve on, you know, the let me catch the ball, yeah. square square you up and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of go ISO on you. So uh, I, I, he's interesting in that way. You know, Corey, I, I think one thing, if I can piggyback off of what you're saying, I, I think – the thing that I like about Agbaji that we see in the numbers with, with, with him in college is year after year, he's improving his game, right? So in this thought exercise that we're doing here on our pod right now, thinking about what he can potentially be, what he's shown in college lends us to believe that even on the next level, year after year, he's going to continue to get better, which yeah. is why I think, I, I, I once again, I just to kind of back you up here, I don't think that, Anybody should soundbite what you just said and say that you're comparing him to Jimmy Butler, that he's going to be a Jimmy Butler. But I think what you're trying to say is the work ethic is there clearly. And so his, I mean, look, player development is rarely ever linear, right? Mm. But when it comes to Igbaji, I think he's the type of guy that we obviously can't say for sure that his development is going to be linear. But if we were to bet on somebody where we're going to be like, hey, this guy is definitely going to be a better player um, in year 10 than he was in year one, then Agbaji is that guy for sure, you know? And he proved it during his four years in college. And I think, you know, once again, like it's the little things that you talked about too. The stuff that he does off ball is incredible. What I wrote in my notes, he's a brilliant cutter. He's a guy who Mm. does a really good job of reading what the defense is giving them. He's reading, if he's on the weak side, he's reading what the help defender is doing or the the sole defender on his side. He sees what he's doing and he's making him work. He's not just going to let that weak side defender just stand there and guard two people easily. That's something that I picked up re- reading uh, Metcalf's piece. He did a great job yeah, a really of breaking piece. down a, yeah, a really great job of breaking down Agbaji. And it's not just from his piece, but you can see it on tape. Agbaji is a very cerebral player, right? And then also um, Metcalf did a great job of highlighting how Agbaji, when he he's coming off pin downs, kind of coming off you know stacker screens or whatever, does a great job of reading where that the the screener's defender is and where his defender is and he makes as you mentioned really decisive decisions and quick decisions and these are like really small things but it's in these er- like in the minutia is where you start to understand like oh this guy is a really dedicated worker a guy who continues to get better he cares about the details so when we then start extrapolating that to okay and the nba what is that going to look like that's just going to continue He's going to keep working. He's going to learn and he's going to keep improving in whatever area that's next, right? Whether it's ball handling, self-creation, but, you know, obviously there might be certain areas where he, he's going to have limitations, but if you're going to bet on a kid to get better, then the proof is kind of in the pudding with Agbaji where we've seen him do it before. So I'm a hundred percent behind you on that. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things you mentioned, like, and where, you know, he clearly understands like, why he needs to be decisive um that's perfect for the nba like he doesn't want to catch and hold he wants to make quick decisions right. he wants to get rid of the ball and you know he'll pass and cut or you know if he doesn't have a shot he'll he'll get rid of it move off of it and try to relocate somewhere else and like that's that style of like 0.5 basketball that's been popularized in the nba yes. where 
Like we want to make quick decisions and make the defense have to react quickly and not let them set back up by, okay, they're out of position, the ball swings. And then all of a sudden we got somebody who's going to dribble the ball 10 times and now they can just set back up and, and you have to basically start it over. Right. You want to get every uh, NBA defenders are so good. Um, that you want to get them out of position so you have every advantage. I think that Agbaji is a, a guy who could help with that. Even, you know, like he's not a very good passer. Yeah, I agree. You know, and like, you know, shout out um, Pierre, Pee Wee the Plug. Like, you know, when we talked about Johnny Davis, he was, he was like, you know, one of my big things is I don't like guys who have assist to turnover ratios that are reversed, you know, in the negative. Like, you know, Agbaji averages more turnovers turnovers than assists. Um, so you're not going to write home about his passing. He's not a guy that's going to be running a lot of high pick and roll and dissecting the defense and skipping the ball to the weak side corner, reading how the tag man is defending him coming off the screen, right? Like if chances are, if he's running a high pick and roll, he's going to use it and either try to get downhill or use two dribbles to, to pull up. Um, so his shooting, his passing is anything to write home about, mm-hmm. uh, but he moves the ball. You know, he, his role, yes. his role, his role isn't to make plays. His role is to make quick decisions, catch, get rid of the ball. And I think that's what he does well. So even though I don't think he's a good creative passer, creator, initiator type, I do think that his passing, I, I wouldn't like be like, Oh, he's a negative as a passer. Cause he gets, he, he's not going to hold the ball and make plays. He's going to hold and get rid of it and then go do crafty things. I think there's value in that too. Dude, a hundred percent. So in in the first part, when you were like, I don't think he was a good passer. I agreed with you, but then I was, I kind of wanted to give that caveat there. And then you said it because he's a ball mover is what I think of him as. He's not a guy where he's, he's not going to be some black hole in the corner where you you give him the ball and then he's trying to make nine, 10 different moves and then shot clock's running out. You know, he's a real ball mover. The one thing that I wanted to say, Corey, that I forgot to mention before you mentioned how he could do a little, like a one, two dribble thing. I think he's a really good job at attacking closeouts. He does a really good job of attacking closeouts when people come out to him and are really aggressive with their, that sometimes overcompensate on their closeout does a good job of taking one, two dribbles and then making a read there too, where he'll take a pull up. Or if he sees that the help guy is going to, you know, come crash hard on him, he can make a nice pass there where in that situation, Corey, where I agree with is that he's maybe not like, obviously, I mean, we mentioned like a Scotty Barnes, a Josh Giddy, whatever. He's not at that level, but he's a guy who can make a read once in a while, you know, he'll get, he'll get downhill towards the basket and make the right pass. So, and of course it's not going to be like a skip pass, weak side corner, any of that stuff. But you know, if there's someone there at the dunker spot, he'll make that read little shovel pass. He'll dump it off, which is not bad. And, so once again, I'm 100% behind you. I think you said the right thing where he may not be the most creative passer, never going to be your offensive hub, but he's a ball mover. He'll make the extra pass. He's not selfish at all. And I think that's more than enough from a guy who you're hoping is like a phenomenal third or fourth option. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, one of the things we like doing at No Ceilings is we don't want to look at what a prospect can't do if we don't think it's not going to be their role in the NBA, like there's not, there's not going to be a point in us harping on the fact that he's not this brilliant creative passer when he doesn't need to be. Cause what he offers is not the type of player that needs to have the ball in his hands. If he grows his scoring game to the point where he's such a weapon that now 
the fact that he has the ball is going to draw so much attention from the defense. And now, you know, the next step after that is making plays. Then we're talking about a different story, right? But as of right now, we're just talking about a guy who's going to have a pretty simplified game coming in. And um, I'm not worried about him as a ball stopper. And that's what you would be worried about. Uh, You know, we talked about the cutting and we talked about how great he is. Metcalf, again, uh, did a whole piece on his cutting for no ceilings that you could find. But I think it's also where you really see his athleticism. Like he's a lot more athletic. Oh yeah. And I think, I, I don't know if I would say he's more athletic than people give him credit for, but like, I feel like when we talk about like athletic bouncy wings in this class, like we, we talk about Matherin a lot. And I think Agbaji's right there. Like Agbaji gets up man like that dude has got some bounce and he is doing some stuff off these lobs that like he's up by the square you know like he's up there Corey, i want to put a wager down because this is my personal thing and i've said this for a while i'm of the few people who are actually i'm actually not that impressed with matherin's athleticism <laughs> I actually would like to put money down that at the combine, I think Agbaji is going to get higher than him. Mm. I actually think Agbaji is going to have like a higher reach, whatever, and a higher vertical. So I might be wrong. Of course, I might eat crow on this, but I've always thought that Matherin was a little overrated as an athlete. No, of course, I'm not saying he's unathletic. Clearly, the guy's a very athletic. I saw it in person. He's athletic. But Agbaji, as you mentioned, this fool gets up like He's a 6'5 vertical threat in on in terms of like throwing lobs to and stuff. So I'm 100% with you, man. And I, for me personally, I think he might even be a little bit more athletic than uh, Matherin. There's this one. The, the, this is the one thing I will compare him to Jimmy Butler with. Jimmy Butler gets like a backdoor alley-oop. Like throughout his career, he's probably gotten like a thousand of them. Like for, for lob dunks. Uh, you know, it's like this blind screen out of like a horn set and he just gets a lob and it's, he gets so many of them. And you're like, no matter how you scout it, he still gets it. Cause he just knows how to open up. And with Agbaji's ability as a shooter to where you have to play him so tight, I think he's going to get a lot of those too, where it's just going to be like a monster two hand lob throw down. He's going to get a bunch of those. So I love that. I love, yeah. he shows a lot of that in trend in transition. Um, you know, while we talk about him as this off ball guy who's running around and shooting off movement and all this, like his handles clean. Like, I, I do want to say that, like he's, he, he does have the ability to make some, some moves and with most prospects like transition where there's more room on the court, you have a little bit more freedom to show, you know, what you can do with the ball in your hands because you got defenders on their heels. Um, you have the momentum, like he's really good. Um, with the ball in his hands uh, in the in transition and you know again like when I saw him live and it was surprising because this is something he's clearly worked on and improved on you know he hit hit this like behind the back and transition that led to like this dunk ultimately that he had and it was just such an impressive move by somebody who like it was one of those like moves where he had to improvise very quickly and get the ball behind his back to create the space and it it was it was sick to to see in person and it was such a quick decisive decision that he felt and looked confident in so i was uh really excited about that and then i think that's carried over the the rest of the season so i think you know he's capable he's a capable ball handler in situations like that he's a capable ball handler when you know in a straight line 
he's he's quick and athletic enough. Like I I, I do think he's very uh, very quick with his his movements and he's strong. So getting to the rim, I I think that he's going to be capable of getting to the rim, as you said, attacking closeouts, using the threat of a shot and that gravity to, to open things up with the extra space in the NBA. Uh, I think he's going to have to work on his finishing touch. You know, um, sometimes, especially with like his left hand, you know, it's, it's not that it's like way off where I like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is, he's never gonna be able to fix this, but he certainly has some things to clean up around the rim when he can't just like go in and, and dunk it home. Um, but I, I think that he's going to be more than just a shooter because he does have some plus to his game. Yeah, no, dude, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, the, look, the one number that is encouraging, though, is he shot 72% at the rim this season, which is, yeah, that's cool. That's a pretty good yeah. number. Um, <laughs> but I agree with you. Like, you, you can see it where. So, OK, Corey, I actually wanted to ask you this and how you felt about it, because watching his tape, I thought personally that he could have drawn more fouls. Not mm. that he's like contact averse, but there are a couple of possessions where I was like, Oh, I wish you went to the rim a little bit harder there. Yeah. And maybe embrace a little bit more contact and just took your, took yourself to the free throw line was something that I was thinking, but I, I think touch is something too. You know, I mean, he's a guy who really had to like grind to get himself to be a good shooter. So obviously like all those things we believe in holistic shooters, right? We've always said that whether it's free throw line at the rim, three point, whatever, like guys who have touch, have touch, like look at Kyrie. Kyrie is the, maybe the greatest guard finisher of all time. He can also shoot the shit out of three out of threes and in the mid range. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Like, I think as he had to work so hard to make himself into a shooter, that kind of shows where he was at with his touch. And that stuff is going to, going to be something he's got to continue to work at, not only from three on the next level, but at the basket in the murder range, et cetera. So uh, I definitely am with you there a hundred percent. Yeah. And he did a better job getting to the rim this year than he has in his, his career. Um, almost four a game, just about four a game where he shot 74%. You know, one of the things, uh, he hasn't been a, a good free throw shooter throughout his career, um, or he's been, you know, okay. He's hovered around six, 69%, 70, yeah. you know, for most of his career. And then he was at 74% this year. So that's probably where he's at as a free throw shooter. But again, he's probably not going to be a high volume three point guy at the next level. Um, but yeah, going into the body, cause he's so strong and athletic that if he could just get a, a few more freebies, it, it could be valuable right. in the NBA. Um, is there anything else about him as an offensive player that you want to hit on? Um, well, I did want to say, you know, you mentioned it before the handle is, I think, good enough. I think for the role that he's going to play on the next level, I think it'll be plenty good. Um, I love that he's going to actually be a vertical threat. I know I mentioned that before. Love his frame. I mean, the kid, I don't think we've mentioned that yet. The kid is built like a Greek god, uh, yeah, gigantic great. shoulders great wing frame yeah dude huge chest um long arms like he's gonna be a guy that like nba execs look at in in an empty gym and they're just gonna be like how has he not been in the league for the last three years already like physically he's gonna (laughs) be and and then i also think in the testing stuff he's gonna do great too with whether it's like vertical jump or even like the cone stuff like i think he'll actually be good so um I'm excited about that. And also like, I'm, I'm ready to talk about him defensively. Cause I think there's some good stuff there too. All right. So talk, talk to me about his defense. What did you like? Okay. So <clears throat> I wanted to ask you this, wanted to get your opinion on his feet. 
because I feel very I have like mixed feelings about his feet. I thought I thought there were times that his feet looked really quick and then other times that his feet looked a little clunky um, where it wasn't as smooth and fluid. But like it's weird. And then like I started questioning myself like am I just nitpicking here because like somehow it feels like his feet are quick and clunky at the same time. Um, was kind of how I felt on ball, but at this and you know also Corey, I don't know how you felt, but I was like, how come he's not using his gigantic frame to kind of push people off their spot more? Was how I felt. Like I, I thought, like considering how big he is, I thought he'd be a little bit more of a physical defender. That might just be my opinion and opinion and how I saw things. Um, I thought as a help defender, I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, coming from the weak side, um, thought he blocked some nice shots. I, there were times though where I was like, you know, you're kind of like lost here in between. And I was like, I was wish, wishing he was like a little bit more assertive. And then other times, like I thought he did a really good job. So overall, like I think he's a good defender. Um, I thought he used, I th- you know, one thing I did want to say, Corey, on ball, I thought he did a pretty good job of contesting without fouling, mm-hmm. um, at least from what I saw. So I don't actually know what I'm saying about how I feel about him as a defender, (laughs) but I think there's like a little bit of good and bad sprinkled in or at least good and needs to improve sprinkled in was how I felt. So wondering how you feel about it. Very similar. Um, I think he's good on the ball. I think he's better on the ball than off. He's strong. He's long. Um, I, I think he has good feet. The, the, the it, it was interesting you referring to like the, the clunky and what, what did you refer to it as i, I, I said they were like kind of quick and clunky at the same time quick and clunky the jalen Duran special um oh <laughs> <laughs> uh i i think it's no I, I see what you're saying a little bit but i think he's got pretty good feet i think uh he's he's pretty smooth i think he's going to be able to guard you know one through three maybe one through four in a couple of years you know if there's like small you know i mean it's small ball in the NBA a lot of times. So uh, right, he'll be able right. to guard a lot of those, those fours. Um, I think his screen navigation is okay, but the fact that he does have length, he's able to get himself back into play. Uh, so, you know, but I think the one thing about him and you see it a lot on the defensive side of the ball where he is very uh, decisive offensively. A lot of times it, and I don't want to say it's not decisive, but it, I know, I know he doesn't, he doesn't play with as much urgency on defense. Yeah, agree. Right. Like, like he's not, as you mentioned, he's not like a an aggressive on ball defender. He's just kind of like, um, and that's okay. Like my basketball team that I coach and it's a high, you know, the high school kids, the varsity team, like we're very, um, we don't reach, we don't go for a lot of steals. Uh, we don't, play the passing lanes super aggressively. We try to, I mean, when we steal off the ball, it's, we try to do it off skips. Um, so it's, I, I'm, I'm okay with guys that aren't Davion Mitchell on, on defense, right? Because there, there's still value in just keeping guys from, you know, getting to the hoop and contesting, forcing them into bad shots and letting them make their own mistakes there. There's value in that. Yeah. Uh, but, he's he's not he doesn't play with a ton of urgency on that end he's he gives good effort um on the ball i think but it's not just like i need to go lock this guy down it's you know like some you could tell when there are defenders who have that in them like let me disrupt everything about what they're doing right now he doesn't have that necessarily 
right. off the ball, you know, there are times I think he's just okay. Uh, he's not making instinctual rotations all the time. Uh, and I don't know if it's a lack of effort or just like, it's something that he struggles with. Um, cause sometimes it looks like he's resting a little bit on, on this end, you know, there are mm. times that he, he is making, you know, he'll be in the right spot, but you know, I, I don't know if he's a big defensive communicator because there are times on the weak side a lot where him and the other guy that's with him, um, you know, they don't know who they're supposed to be rotating out to. Like if, if he's low, like if, or if they're Kansas is Xing out, like, is he supposed to run out to the wing or the corner or is the other guy supposed to like, they, I don't know. I feel like they got mixed up with that a lot, but they're national champions. So fuck it. What do I know? Um, but <laughs> I think that uh, initially he's going to kind of struggle when he has to make those quick decisions on X outs on scram switches on like more complicated schematic decisions. Uh, I think he'll look lost at times, which is normal for a rookie, despite the fact that, you know, he is going to be, a 22 year old senior and some people might expect that he's going to be, you know, just ready to contribute on both ends um, because of his age, where, as you said, like player development is not necessarily linear. And just because you're older doesn't mean that you're at this point where you're going to be ready to contribute everywhere on an NBA floor, even if you are more prepared for an NBA court than somebody who might be 18 or 19 coming in just in other facets of the game. Right. Right. <laughs> hey, one thing I wanted to say, the stuff that you said about him on ball, I 1 trillion percent agree with that. And that's, I think you said exactly what I was feeling because it's the thing where you can feel him playing where like, I want to keep my man in front of me and I don't want to F up. It's like a very disciplined type of on, on ball defense without like the nastiness that you, as yes. you mentioned, like from a Davion, like, Oh, let me just keep my guy in front of me. So I don't F up. And coach self doesn't like, yell at me for nine hours <laughs> like berate me later and then like off ball Corey, kind of piggybacking off what you said i thought at times with his help defense he would like be good about being there and then just not know what the hell to do does that make sense like there were a couple possessions yeah. i saw him like even in the tournament there's this one play where he would come to help and he's there he's in the right spot but he was kind of like looking the wrong way and like doing weird things so i 100 percent agree with you that there's room to grow room to grow here there's room to grow. And uh, I think situationally, wherever he ends up is maybe going to dictate early on, like what kind of defender he turns into. Like, you know, if he goes to this NBA team, that's just run gun, not worrying so much about the defense. Like maybe it's going to take him a little bit longer on that end. Whereas, you know, you go to a team that's super disciplined and even as a rookie, you mess up a rotation, you might, you know, get pulled. Maybe, yeah you know, he, he ends up having to get in the film room a little bit more often and worry about making those mistakes. So, uh, but overall, I mean, I think he's going to be a two-way player for sure. He, he definitely has it in him to, you know, make a, uh, a highlight block, you know, get out in the passing lane for a steal. So he does have that in him, I think. Um, and he's got the athleticism and the strength and the the frame to play defense at an NBA level, which, which is important. So uh, I, I think, you know, again, two-way wing and, and definitely, definitely solid. What NBA teams do you think that Ochai Agbaji, that drafting him gives you the best ROI? Okay. So 
was thinking about this a little bit, even as you were talking before. You put Ochai on a team where the coach is going to keep him accountable. You put him on a team where the coach uh, has famously been miscast as a guy who doesn't play young guys. Uh, You put put Ochai Agbaji on the Knicks, man, and I'm telling you, he becomes a difference maker by the All-Star break or like by the halfway point of the season. Like, I really do believe that because I think Ochai is exactly what, uh, not exactly, but kind of what the Knicks lost when they lost Reggie Bullock. Like, I, I think with the shooting and the defense, like uh, Ochai and his length and physicality, like, I just, you just know that Ochai is going to come in and just be like a lunch pail guy. He's going to yeah. grab his lunch pail and know exactly what he's doing every time on the court. And people might say, like, oh, didn't the Knicks grab a 6'5 guy last year who does the same thing? And I'm like, where is it in the NBA? Is this, Is there some, like, hidden bylaw that I don't know about where you can't have more than one of those guys. <laughs> like why can't Agbaji and Quentin Grimes become a fantastic future two-way wings for the New York Knicks? I just don't understand that philosophy at all. But anyway, um, I think Agbaji would be phenom- phenomenal on the Knicks because, you know, Tibbs is going to, Tibbs is going to coach the shit out of him. You know, yeah. Tibbs is going to really teach him like fa- foundationally fantastic things for him defensively. That's going to be so awesome. So I think the Knicks would be a great fit. Portland, right? I mean, I think we have him going to Portland in our mock draft. Why not? Right. Put a guy like that next to Dame and tell him, hey, just do play your role, dude. We have Damian Lillard on our squad. Like you don't have to worry about getting crazy. Just play defense, hit your open shots, and you're going to have a great NBA career moving forward. So I think that's a great fit. Um the Hawks could use some defense, right? I know they have a guy that's, you know, I, I, DeAndre Hunter, whatever. But I, I think Agbaji, why not? You know, get a defensive guy there, help out. So uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Yeah, I think those are great fits. Uh, Portland's definitely one that you know I had I was going to mention, and the fact that he and Dame have a, a relationship already lends to you know possibly a lot of smoke there um, for him as a destination. I like the New York fit, uh, you know, because one, he's not going to have to like all of a sudden play 35 minutes. The The Knicks do have a lot of young guys. They do have a lot of wings now, but like, I, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to add more wings. Like, I think you'll be able to play lineups with Quentin Grimes, RJ Barrett and Ochai Agbaje on the floor at the same time. I think you could do that. I don't know if, if Tibbs will, but I, I think it's possible. And um, I'm a Tibbs believer so you know for Knicks fans I you know this guy's not perfect but the grass ain't always greener um you know what I think's interesting would be an interesting spot if he were to I guess he it wouldn't necessarily be considered a slide but if you took the OKC Thunder with like the Clippers pick that right now is at like 15 he could be like an interesting wing for them because he doesn't need the ball a ton and he could play off of SGA and Giddy. His size allows you to kind of play weird lineups, and um, I think that could be an interesting spot as a shooter who could just like be athletic, cut off the ball, doesn't need high usage, and can help space the floor for a lot of these, you know, for the team, and just be an interesting kind of piece there. Um, that could be kind of like a wild card if if he made it, you know, out of the lottery. I, I think Corey, Corey, I just want to say this, like in our recent mock, I, it hasn't gone out yet, but we have 
I I think we could spoil this right now, right? It's not a big deal, but well, if you're listening to this in the morning, it probably either has Dropped gone in. out yet. It yeah. either has gone out yet, or it'll be out in you know yeah. an hour or two. You'll find out soon. <laughs> but I I was the one who made the pick for well, I didn't make it, but I was the one who suggested it. Um, that OKC take Keegan Murray, right? So imagine SGA, Giddy, Keegan Murray, and Ochag Baji on the floor. I mean, obviously not for like 48 minutes, but you put those guys on the floor together. That becomes fun, dude. Like really there, there's some, there's some shit going on there. So I, I love it, man. I'm with you on that. Yeah. That'd be really interesting. I love the fit. It's very fun. And um, that's the good thing about Ochai. The luxury is just like, he could fit in so many different spots just because he doesn't need the ball. And he offers skills that like every team could use. No, no team is going to complain about, a guy who potentially is going to shoot 40% from three on high volume can get out and transition um, attack closeouts and isn't going to hold on to the ball is just going to be a ball mover. Any, any team wants that. Right. If you're buying stock in Ochai, who may you have bought stock in previously? This was hard, dude. This was actually really, so we prepped for two guys today. Um, and so the other guy was hard for me. Akbaji was really hard for me. I, I tried to do this, Corey. I tried to do a recent guy and a really old guy. Okay. So want to kind of balance things out. Cause I, I usually just throw like the nineties guys at you guys. And some of you hate it. Some of you guys love it. I know we've got a guy, um, who, who loves our stuff. I, I apologize if I forgot your name, sir. Um, but I think he's like a professor somewhere, but he always talks about my weird, uh, comps. Yeah. Uh, so okay, my older guy is what if Cliff Robinson was six five? Is mm. my older one okay? okay. If All if right. Cliff Robinson wasn't six ten and he was six five, I think they'd have very similar games. And then my recent guy, like of course, this is not clean at all, at all. But I don't know. He just came to mind. I was like, "F it." Was DeAndre Hunter? Like if you know, like I just yeah, I just came to mind like six eight wing guy who could do a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, came in as a defender, develop developing shooter. I think DeAndre Hunter still has a long way to go, and and I mean that in a good way. Like I th- I think there's still so much juice in DeAndre Hunter that we haven't seen yet. I know he could be. I know he's really kind of been streaky this year with the shooting and stuff, but um, I still f with DeAndre Hunter hard. So um, I think those two guys are kind of where my mind went. I know they're not great comps, but I just thought of Cliff Robinson and if he was six five. Also, rest in peace, uh, yes. Cliff Robinson, who passed away yeah. in twenty twenty. But um, yeah, I, I know they're kind of weird, but that's kind of where my mind went. Blazers legend, Cliff Robinson. Yes, sir. I like those, um, and I see it. One of the OG floor spacers at the forward position. Yes, sir. Cliff Robinson. Um, I am getting. And I could even see him developing a little bit offensively similarly, like Tim Hardaway Jr. Ooh, okay. I see. Okay. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Right? It's pretty good. It's the place. I think they play a similar game. Damn it. You know, Tim Hardaway wasn't, except he wasn't the main guy at Michigan. Um, But coming into, he just had this like skill set that was made for, you know, NBA scoring. Transition threes. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's developed into where he can get his own a little bit, but it's not necessarily something you want your, like if he's your number one option, that's an issue. Like you don't want that from him. But if you're <laughs> looking for a guy that like when he's got it going, who can create his own a little bit and like when he's feeling it, you let him cook. Yeah, let, let Tim Hardaway do that. I think Ochai is going to develop that 
to him because uh, he's similarly, you know, got that little streakiness to him where he can catch fire. And, um, you know, we saw that in the tournament. And, you know, like Hardaway is a guy that you look at now, like great shooter, right? Especially from long range. Like, but he's a guy, like, he wasn't a great free throw shooter in college either. Like, he's a mediocre shooter. He wasn't a guy that you looked at as this, like, really dangerous shooting threat. And I think Ochai is, is a little similar. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. also had, a, you know, experienced college player. So, stylistically, I think that's kind of a good path. But I think that he's got a, um, I think he's got more of a chance to be a two-way guy than yes. Tim Hardaway Jr. So, so I do think he's, you know, a little bit more valuable in that sense. Yeah, dude. I, I like that one. That's a really good one. I think like I'm I'm with you. I think what you said at the tail end is where I'm at too. Like I think Ochai has a highly higher ceiling as a defender because Tim Hardaway really got torched in the beginning when he was drafted by the Knicks. Like he used to get absolutely just massacred on that end of the floor. Um, but I really like the cop because I think uh Baji's a guy that the guy that, you know, Kansas they like to run in transition, then then you know, Agbaji is gonna be a guy who's gonna be good in transition, you know. Um, I think he'll be a really good job there, good shooter. So yeah. That's a good comp, dude. All right. It's that time. Albert, I need you to sell me this pen on <sighs> national champion Ochai Agbaji. Well, it's time for your favorite segment, everyone, brought to you by Blank Pen Company. But here we go. I'm going to I'm going to bring this to you guys because this is something that I wrote in my notes at in terms of like soft data with him. Like he is clearly somebody that whoever like whatever team ends up drafting him, they're going to absolutely fall in love with the guy. Like you can very clearly see that he's going to be an incredible teammate, a guy who's going to garner a lot of respect uh, from the people that he plays with. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that is going to work his tail off. And as I mentioned, I think, in my opinion, a guy who's going to develop and improve year after year. Um, he's going to be a guy who I think eventually there's upside for him to do a little bit more with the ball in his hands and have that two-way potential that we mentioned with like like a Tim Hardaway, but maybe a little bit more defensively. If you're an NBA team, and especially a team that's looking to build a contender, whether it's now or in a couple of years, he seems like a foundational piece that makes sense. Like a good a good template might be like a Mikal Bridges on the Suns, right? He's a great fourth, fifth option. What he's doing, and Cam Johnson as well, deserves a lot of credit. As Those two guys are big wings who provide a lot for them defensively and offensively that make up a title contending team like the Phoenix Suns. So... It, don't worry about how many wings you've got. Agbaji is a wing that you want on your team. Is uh, is it for me? And uh, I think that's a great, you know, selling point. It's a great pitch, and I think that Agbaji is a guy that is going to make a lot of teams um, very interested, and is going to make one team very happy and look really smart. And you know, we've seen these guys who are upperclassmen and you know you want the guy who's young and has all this potential and we see like a lot of these uh older guys have kind of found success and i think we're getting a little renaissance of of the older prospect where they're losing the the like um scarlet letter of of being older you know like desmond bain is is killing it uh chris duarte Duarte, came in yeah Davion's really coming along bit in a big way lately. So, you know, you can get the, you can take these guys, you know, in the lottery and you could feel good about it because these guys still have potential and 
in in this version of the NBA. If you take uh, the kind of guy who can contribute and fits, you know, what your team needs, I, I think it could be a, a good value pick for you. And Agbaji, if he's going to go around 14, 15, you know, in, in that range, plus minus a few spots, like um, he's got a lot of interesting destinations that he could either find himself in like a rebuilding situation where he could have maybe a little bit more freedom to explore his game, or he can land in a situation with a team that is trying to get back into the playoff picture and contention. And he could offer, you know, um, a really cheap value contract who can contribute in a big way. You know, Mike Schmitz during, uh, I don't know if it was the championship, maybe it was the final four game. You know, he, he tweeted like Ochag Baji could, play 25 minutes in the in an NBA game tomorrow. Agreed. So, you know, so he, he's a guy that is is going to be a good NBA player for a really long time and uh, I'm excited to to see where it plays out and where he lands cuz it's hard not to root for that kid. Yeah. Dude, I'm with you. And like all the names that you rattled off, I'm with that. Even like look at Pritchard. Pritchard's starting to play well. Yep. Right? Yep. Udoka's starting to trust him more. He's doing more for the Celtics. And Celtics are a really damn good team in the East right now. It's, I'm, yeah. it's too bad they lost a uh, Time Lord. But, you know, I, I think I'm with you, Corey. These older guys, like the screw the Scarlet Letter, screw the age. Just look at the development. That's all that should matter to me. Like, I think, like, just look at the development, be excited about the development. And if they're proving to be better, like, over a couple of years in college like why should that stop an nba be cool with it you know especially if they have like physical gifts and good frames and good length and all that stuff so i'm 100 percent with you man yeah um all right that's gonna do it for uh the ochag baji edition of the the draft Act podcast albert tell the people where they could find you you can find me uh on twitter at Alberto Gim, uh, that's with an E, Alberto, like the toe on your foot is where you find me. One of my goals this year, Corey, I realize I'm trying to get more Twitter followers. I okay. realize I'm really like slacking, like Let's all the other the guys universe. on our website. Yeah, all you guys are like 2K, 4K. I think Backcourt has like 12K followers. I've got yeah. like 400 followers. I'm like, what the hell is going on with me? So uh, <laughs> if you guys have a Twitter account, just follow me because I... I get weird on my Twitter account and it's okay. Come be weird with me. So uh, that's, that's where I'm at. Come be weird with Albert on Twitter. Uh, we need to get that follower count up, man. Uh, you can follow me at Corey Tulliba on Twitter. Um, and you can follow at no ceilings NBA on Twitter. Follow that for weird memes and uh, interesting content for all, all that we do at no ceilings We had our big board come out on the sixth. We're having, the mock draft full two rounds come out on the seventh and uh, it's officially draft season. So things are about to get wacky. Uh, I don't think that we were right. I think you dropped Dale and Terry. I did after, you know, it, it, we haven't recorded since. So yeah. you wrote a really fun article on Dale and Terry from Arizona. Um, I, every, I, your, your writing style is very unique and I love it. <laughs> it's, it's one of my, I'm excited every time you drop a piece and um, you always manage to, to make it, uh, you know, a little wacky with your comparisons. <laughs> and, you know, we had some Mozart thrown in there. And so it was really fun. Yeah. And, um, man, yeah, it's a lot of content coming up, everyone, on NoCeilingsNBA.com. Uh, you know, we're not missing it. We haven't missed a day yet since the yeah. since college basketball started. Just because it's over doesn't mean we're going to start missing a day. It's only going to ramp up. It's only going to get yeah. crazier. Subscribe. It's free. Get it delivered to your inbox Monday through Friday. 
And uh, if you haven't, leave a review, share, you know, uh, give us five stars, four stars, whatever your heart desires um, on Apple five. or Spotify. Yeah, we'll, we'd like five, but, you know, yeah. we're cool. You know, you can be honest. It's how we, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll be back next week, everyone. We out. Thanks for rocking with us. Peace. Peace.